the darkest day in history is the day that God died. The earth was cast into darkness as if creation could not bear to see its creator upon the cross. And upon his final trembling cry, the earth cried out in harmony as the ground trembled and the stones split, reverberating throughout all the land. And as that cry rang out, and Christ, who seemed indestructible, breathed his last, the temple curtain, as thick as a man's hand, released its weaves as it tore in two removing the indestructible separation from the Holy of Holies, making a way where there was no way. The darkness, the tremble, the tear. Three cosmic responses to the darkest day in history, and three cosmic responses that at first glance carry nothing but sorrow, but at their heart, we find a deep and immeasurable grace. Today we begin our Easter series titled, Through the Dark. Next week we're looking at the tremble as the reverberations of the earthquake, the event that happened on Calvary that rippled out all throughout the land. But this week we're considering the darkness. Jesus Christ, fully God and also fully human, lived a perfect life. He proved himself time and time again to be, yes, the Messiah, yes, the Son of God, yes, the Savior of the world. And the world responded by putting him in trial, sentencing him to death on a cross. We're going to read of this darkest moment in history. And as deeply troubling as it is for us to read this passage, it is important for us not to look away. For not a moment in our lives has our Lord looked away from us. So we give him the honor of witnessing the darkest day in history. Hear now the true word of the Lord. Matthew, verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 27, beginning at verse 33. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from that cross if you are the Son of God. And in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, the elders, mocked him. He saved others, they said. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross. Then we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the 
rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those standing there heard this. They said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran, got a sponge, filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. The tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city, appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. You can feel the darkness as you read that most horrible of accounts. There's a lot of things we could focus on, but today we're honing in on the darkness. See what it says again in verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. Our Savior had hung upon that cross already for about three hours. And then at midday, yes, the brightest part of the day, darkness. And not just a cloud passing through or a bit of shade, but a complete lack of light that lasted the next three hours, right up till after Jesus breathed his very last. Consider the miracle of it, the darkness. It's impossible outside of God. It is noon. Have you ever seen it go completely dark at noontime in your lived experience? Anybody? No. That's a lot of experience. This also happened during Passover. Passover always happened during a full moon, making it completely impossible for this to be an eclipse, as some have suggested. See, the position of the sun and the moon uh, during a full moon, it's impossible for there to be an eclipse. So that's not the reason for the darkness. Some suggest it was a dust storm that made it so dark that it was the darkness, except you would think there would be mention of the other elements that come into play during a dust storm, and there's not. It's impossible outside of God. Now consider the immensity of the darkness. Luke's account says it blots out the sun. The sun failed to shine. That is a complete and utter darkness. When darkness struck, there were no campfires already going because it's noon. You're not having a campfire. You don't have torches lit in the middle of the day. So when it struck, it struck fully. 
the text tells us it covers all the land. We don't know if that's the entire earth or just the land that one standing there looks around and can see that's in darkness. Either way, it is immense. I find it interesting as well. In this account, you see the hustle and the bustle of what is happening even as Jesus hangs on the cross there. They're gambling over his clothes. They are mocking and insulting him and spitting at him and all sorts of terrible things. A darkness that came even before the darkness. And yet, once the darkness hits, we have no details until Jesus speaks again. Imagine you're a little child once more, or even an adult, and you're in a place that ought to be well lit, and it suddenly goes completely dark. We are often struck with terror, a deep, deeply rooted fear. And this is likely how they responded to the supernatural darkness. The hustle and bustle that was going on for three hours prior, then nothing until we see Jesus' cry out in his words. And at that cry, we see the crowd wakes from their terror. They ponder at the meaning of what he says. Maybe he's calling on Elijah to, to save him or something. They're still not receiving his words for truth. And another offers a drink. It could have been an offering of mercy or of mockery. But the supernatural darkness, it's clearly from God. And he makes it dark because this is indeed the darkest moment in the history of the world. So we can continue to consider the darkness as the light of the world hangs upon a cross. Is there any other proper response than darkness at this most awful of moments? The sin of the world the entire world, your sin, my sin, of everyone always is swarming and resting upon him, the perfect one, as the evil one celebrates. Darkness. Jesus is dying, suffering in our place. Darkness. He willingly took on that sin. He became sin, the very thing that he is not, the very thing he despised. And he became it because he was compelled by a love that is greater than all our sin. Because that's who he is. That's what he does in the darkness. Jesus, as he hung upon that cross, as he cries out, he experienced separation from God. God experienced separation from God. God forsook God. The Father turned his back on his Son. For the Father had to rightly enact his judgment upon the sin of the world, upon the one who became sin, though he knew no sin. So he gives sin the penalty it deserves, even as it breaks his heart to do so. And Jesus Christ cries out at the pain he's experiencing, the suffering, but also at the sin of this world that made all of this necessary. 
but also because of experiencing God's absence for the first time in his eternal being. And his last cry is also filled with a deep, deep sorrow for he experienced a moment of what we have all experienced by being separated by God. All because of sin. Why is it dark? Because all creation must cry out as creation responds to the death of its creator. It is indeed under his power and command. And sin is a darkness that corrupts all, and all the sin of the world was being placed right there on this incredible Savior's shoulders. A physical representation of the darkness of this moment, of the darkness that seeks to be in power of this world. It is dark because of the sorrow of the Father of what is happening to the Son, because of the suffering of the servant who was touched and acquainted with deepest grief. We also know that darkness in the Bible often symbolizes God's judgment. Remember back in Egypt, the book of Exodus, the second to last judgment of God where darkness took over the land for three days, a darkness you could feel, which led right up to that final sign, the sacrifice that took place on Passover. Just as those in Egypt were saved by the blood of the Lamb, here the blood of the Lamb pours out to save all who would believe. Why is it dark? For without Jesus, the light of the world, there is only sin, sorrow, suffering, pain, terror, and judgment. Only separation forever and ever from God and his love. So where's the good news? Do you need a little good news today? I need a little good news today. This is the good news. The darkness of death has no power over the light of life. The darkness of death has no power over the light of life. The cross was not the end. Good Friday was not the end. Sin and death and sorrow and suffering and pain does not have the final say. Never again will Jesus Christ, the light of the world, fade. Indeed, as John 1 proclaims, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Never again will the darkness of the tomb be absent from the light of the world. Never again can anyone ever say Jesus is dead. Oh no, because Jesus is not dead. Jesus Christ is alive, and he is the light of the world. He is the hope of the world. If you ever wonder how we might get through the darkness, because, oh, there is still darkness combating for all our attention to suffocate and surround us every moment of this day, 
If you ever wonder how we might get through the darkness, the darkness of our brokenness, the darkness of our sorrows, the darkness of our grief or our burdens or even death, there is only one way and it is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He and he alone saves us. You believe in him? Then the darkness of your life will not prevail. What God proved on this day is that it's already lost. There is always hope. If Christ's death led to victory, his light will overcome whatever darkness you find yourself in. That victorious day that death was defeated. If God can transform the darkest day in history into a day of victory where he defeated sin, darkness, he can do anything. Darkness of the world will not and does not have the final say. John twelve forty six, Jesus' own words, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Do you believe this? Do you believe in him? Have you seen how he's shown light into the darkness of your life up to this point? And do you believe that he will do it again for you? Or are you walking in that darkness you haven't yet given your life to the Lord of light and life? I implore you to do so. Because this is the true and good news that we have. He is truth and love personified. And Jesus tells us, in this world we will have trouble. <laughs> you don't have to live long to know that. We will have trouble. We will experience darkness and sorrow. We will, just like the man of sorrows, be acquainted with deepest grief. But Jesus also says, take heart, for he has overcome the world. So where in your life today do you need a step toward the light? The darkness cannot defeat it. It is shining bright. What does light do? It guides us. It, it sustains us. It gives us life. Jesus heals us provides for us, guides us, sustains us, gives us life. So where in your life right now are you living in darkness and you need to shine heaven's light into that area? That's the internal part. And then there's the external part. Where in your life do you need to shine his glorious, life-giving, hope-bringing light? You've seen me do this before. You'll see me do it again. Jesus Christ, he's the light of the world we are called to reflect that light into every single person we encounter, into every conversation we have, into every hardship we encounter. He and his light will shine in and break through if we let him. For we are children of the light. I've heard Jesus say he's the light of the world. Later he says you are the light of the world. And here in Ephesians 5, Paul writes that you were once in, no, not even in darkness, you once were darkness. But now, because of what happened on this darkest of days, you are light in the Lord. So live as children of 
light. That is our inheritance. That's what we, we receive, life and light and abundance because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross with the empty tomb. There is nothing that our God can't do. His love is so great that he took the day Satan thought he won and he made it the day he was defeated. Took the sin that covered us and shrouded us in darkness. He buried it in the ground and he saved and transformed us. He is the savior of the world, the light of the world. So we shall go to share his love and light as children of the light. May it be so for each and every one of us here today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. What a grace greater than all our sin, Lord, that you took it upon yourself and died the very death we deserve all out of the deep, deep love you have for us and desire to be in relationship with us. Lord, though it's heavy to sit and bear witness to what you went through, we do not turn away our eyes, for you have never turned yours away from us. So we praise your name and give you thanks for what you accomplished on that cross. That that was not the end. That you made a way where there was no way. And that the only way to life and freedom from this sin that we choose is found in you. Thank you for filling us with that light. Thank you for reminding us of your goodness. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to continue to guide and comfort and encourage and equip us and advocate for us and send us out again to serve you. God, you have created us all unique and you have given us all a calling to love and serve you uniquely. So Lord, I just pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit, you embolden us once more to do what you've called us to, believing that you will see us through. How good it is to proclaim your goodness, Lord, to accept this gift, this love that is so great. We say thank you. Pray this all in the power that defeated death's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.